One of the great lessons I learned from my father was how he would manage some 40,000 people who reported to him. I mean, I think that number might even be low. I think by the time he retired, the number was, was, was almost 100,000 people. By the way, this is Dan Walshman. You're listening to the Edgy Conversations podcast, radical help for people who want it. I'm so excited to be spending a few minutes with you. I, I've been thinking all day and perhaps for the last week about this idea of communication, how to communicate what we do, what I do when I get it wrong, and how to how to permanently improve how I communicate. I don't know how old I was, probably a early teenager or maybe even a preteen when my father had worked for several decades in as a civil servant. And I was going to say in the United States Army, but it was more than that. Most of his career was in the United States Army. And he achieved the title of Deputy Secretary of the Army. Now, for those of you who are wondering, what is that? So you've got, you've got uh, two sides. You've got military service, which you, you, you go through the ranks. And I won't pretend I know all of them. But when you get to the top, it's, it's a general. And, but on the civil side, civil service side, you have another equal rank of people who start very, very, you know, simple and go all the way up to what's called a senior executive servant, SES. And those are people that eventually, when you get reach the highest levels of SES, you're actually vetted by Congress. My dad was one of these people. You're vetted by Congress to make sure that uh, you're, you're, you're obviously not uh, someone bad. And, and if you've ever listened to some of these congressional hearings, you know it can get very political. Most of the time, if someone suggests uh, a lieutenant for them, they get it. And so when Dick Cheney was Secretary of Defense, my father was secret, Deputy Secretary of the Army. And I, I give that to you as just a frame of reference for what my father taught me. Every morning when he went into the office and it was one of the jobs where you're up at 4, 35 o'clock in the morning heading into the office every day, every day, rain or shine, doesn't matter how you feel, doesn't matter what the weather's like. And this was pre 9-11 and my father had one of the uh, most impactful work ethics I've ever seen. Just something that left a mark on me. I remember it. As a side note, before I talk about communication, just tell you how indelible this mark was. I lived in Northern Virginia, just outside DC. And after my dad left, he retired for about a week. It's funny. He was so excited to retire. And he retired after being this, you know, this very, very high level government official. And then the younger George Bush came into office. And uh, since Dick Cheney was his uh, vice president, for some reason, my father got picked uh, for a very special assignment where he was deputy director uh, at the National Security Agency. Again, very, very high level, reporting up to Condoleezza Rice. Uh, very, very high level. But but he retired for all of a day. And I remember one particular day, but the, the, the reason why that matters is that he used to work at the Pentagon. And so from Northern Virginia to the Pentagon is 15, 20 miles. It would still take an hour, hour and a half to get to the office anymore. But now that he was uh, working for the NSA, the National Security Agency, he would have to drive to Fort Meade in Maryland which was several hours away, right? Now you're driving to Maryland. You're driving from Virginia into DC, into Maryland. I mean, you're going three states just to get to office in the morning. Can you believe that? I remember one particular day, it snowed. And so as a kid, you're like, yeah, I get a snow day. And in Northern Virginia, it doesn't really snow that much. And even if it does, you're 
probably going to school anyways, but for some reason we had a snow day. And I remember my father uh, getting up and you're always up early on snow days for some reason, right? You sleep in every other day, but when it snows, like, yeah, we're up. And he got in his, his little blue truck and drove something like five hours in the snow. He had to drive slow to make it to the office, to do a quick few things, to turn around and drive five hours home. And that's probably a pretty simple story. But for some reason, it always stayed in my mind about the type of work ethic and the drive and commitment he had. That, that was my father. So as you can tell, I have a lot of respect for him and the lessons he would give me. And one of those lessons about communication has stayed with me for forever. Every year I would go with my father to the Pentagon. And for those of you who have never been inside the Pentagon, and this is all pre-9-11, now I guess post-9-11 is probably a little bit harder. But it's this massive concrete structure full of uniformed military people. And, and all the branches are in this one building. Five sides, of course, very famous. I think until recently, it was the largest quote-unquote office building in the world. And of course, there's all the mystery around what's going on underground and all of this. You know, are there tunnels that take you from, uh, you know, from the Pentagon to the White House and back? You know, it's, it's really, really cool. All the mystery and mystique around it. It's a really, really neat place. But it's massive. A million square feet of military people trying to take down the bad guys. And as my father grew in rank and prestige and pay, his offices became bigger. It used to be you would um, like a kind of a coat closet sort of thing. And then it got bigger. And then he had more than one office. It was an office plus a conference room, plus a, a, a secretary outside. And then it was, you know, not an attache, but you know, there was like a whole team of people assisting my father. And as I got older, I noticed uh, that that team got larger and larger. And maybe I went to the office with my dad, maybe once a year one or two times a year. He would take one of us kids in and hang out. Of course, everyone's very respectful, mainly because my father was an important person. <laughs> but also, I think they were just nice people. And I remember my dad telling me one time, we, we, we got in the morning, and, and you know, the, like, it was like stereotypical 1980s, 1990s. It, it was a coffee maker with one of those white styrofoam cups. And he, he got the coffee, poured it into a styrofoam cup, and he goes, you know what? Come with me. And it was kind of almost like an off-the-cuff sort of thing. He said, you know what? Come with me. And we walked out of the office. And of course, everyone's like, where are you going? Where are you going? Should we follow? He's like, stay back, stay back. I'm just going to take my son for a quick walk. And he said, you know, sometimes, son, the best way to find out what's going on is not to read a report. It's to talk to the people that are actually making it happen. Now, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know if those are the exact words, but I think that's pretty darn close to what he said to me. And they proceeded to walk me down to where there were less fancy offices and just rows and rows of people doing very important, unglamorous, but wildly essential things to keep this country safe and help us in all the wars and all the different things that we had going on at the time. And he would literally poke his head into an office and say, hey, Bob, hey, Ted, hey, Sally, Bruce. That's my father's name, Bruce. How are you? And he would spend a couple minutes with that person, of course, introducing, here's my son, Dan. But he was just checking in on where things were. And he said to me, you know, my staff is well-meaning and they're, they're, they're awesome. I have no complaints. 
but they give me a report and I read it or they tell me and I appreciate it. But I need to know, not the words on paper, but what are in people's eyes? I have to tell you as a consultant now, doing work all over the world, and now bringing you programs, right? This program, digital programs online, speaking from stages, having just launched Awesome Palooza not too long ago. I feel like I'm in the communication business. But I've never forgotten that lesson my father gave me because I don't think I do that well enough. And frankly, for a lot of the companies that I'm helping to work with, the companies that are struggling that need my help, a lot of the problem is a lack of communication. Leaders get stressed, and what do they do? They shut down. You get stressed in what you do, whether you're struggling financially or you've got this challenge or that challenge, what do you do? You shut down. And you've got these wildly talented teams and God-gifted leaders who can't open their mouth and have a conversation. I had a great conversation not too long ago with my new good friend, Jim Fortin. And by the way, I promised you an interview. The interview is going to come shortly, and it is going to be amazing. I talked to Jim again today. And, and what an insightful guy. Just what a powerful guy with the magic that he brings to the science of psychology. Just, I've never been, like if I have a, talk about a man crush. If Totally, totally. I just, this guy blows my mind with, even in our talk, I think I'm actually going to hire him as a coach between me and you to try to help me take my game to the next level. But in talking to him, we were sharing about a few simple skills that can make your communication that much better. And a lot of this is the subject that we call pre-framing. And if you, have, if you have kids, you do this naturally. You may forget when you're in the office, but you do this naturally when you're uh, dealing with kids. They'll say, can I have five cookies? No, but you can have two. And again, you've kind of pre-framed expectations, reset expectations so that... Um, they feel happy getting two cookies whereas before they wanted more. And you can do the same thing at the office. Hey, these six things are great, but we really need to focus on this thing that's costing us lost productivity, time, and profit. Now, if you were to start that conversation with just saying, you guys suck, this is awful, what do you think would happen? People shut down and it's, it's just a debacle. In my own personal relationships, I struggle to communicate. I'm uh, an introvert, which is funny because I'm podcasting to you and sharing these thoughts, but I'm introverted and I get my feelings hurt perhaps a little more than I should. And I just shut down emotionally. And perhaps you're the same way as me. You just, you just stop. You stop talking and it's inside you. It's bottled up. And it's going to take time for someone to pull it out of me because now I've got a bit of an ax to grind. Emotionally, not physically, emotionally. The reality is that how you feel about communicating, how you struggle with communicating is very likely how those with which you're interacting feel and struggle with communicating. See, communicating is a universal problem. It's a universal opportunity to. See, smart leaders, according to 
all the studies around emotional intelligence. Smart leaders know that 95% of getting up there and crushing it is communicating, it's being emotionally intelligent. It's knowing what people want and giving it to them. That's why people like Hitler can win, right? Create a national sensation, kick off wars, do horrific things because they were fantastic communicators. That's how someone like Martin Luther King was able to get people who were bigoted and racist to change their minds because of the way he was able to communicate. Now, the reality is that communication, better communication doesn't happen overnight. In fact, it's something you have to learn day by day. But if there were two things that I would leave you with, right? If there, if there were two simple things you could take today, let me, let me leave you with this before we wrap this up. One, say I'm sorry a lot more quickly and clearly. We all make mistakes, and frankly, a bunch of communication happens around mistakes or areas of improvement. And often, we'll say, well, I uh, this or uh, well, uh, and we'll stretch and we'll twist and we'll contort instead of just saying, hey, um, I blew it and I'm sorry. Here's what I intended to have happen. It didn't happen. I'm going to do better next time. Speak from a place of intention, not justification of what happened. Speak from a place of intention. I intended to make this better, but I didn't. See what I did there? It's called communication. <laughs> and I've spent years trying to fix it. And while I've not perfected it, I think I've gotten better at a few small things. One is this area of saying, I'm sorry a lot more quickly. You can try, try it right now. Try it right. When you've, the next time you screw up, just say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm going to do better next time. This, the second trick, the second strategy for you is the opposite of that. I love you. Now, if you're in office, especially with all this recent inappropriate behavior by dudes, yes, keep it in your pants, dudes. Uh, the I love you thing is not an exact quote for quote. Now, at home or in your personal relationships, it could be to a kid, to a spouse, a partner, a lover, a friend, just saying I love you. It's words that we all need to hear. We all need to know that we're valued. We all need to know that we're heard. We all need to know that our life matters. And so when someone says I love you, that gives you matter. That gives you reason to keep doing what you're doing. And so I'll push you to say, tell someone you love them. And when you're in the office, if you're the leader, why not poke your head inside their office and just say, hey, I appreciate you. What you're doing is awesome. I appreciate you. What you're doing here matters. And so it's really two easy skills for you to develop phrases that you can say almost verbatim. One, I'm sorry. Two, I love you or I appreciate you. So communication isn't something that's easily mastered and it's not fixed overnight. And by the way, it's not something that's broken overnight, but we can all improve. We can all get better. We can all find ways to take our communication to the next level because it matters. It matters. So work on it. Try these two strategies that I just gave you. By the way, if you're not part of our edgy empire of awesomeness on Facebook, uh, then I would welcome you to go there. It's an amazing uh, group of people who are all just excited and uh, determined to be successful at any cost. And so we talk about it, we live it, we hold each other accountable. And at the end of the day, we're here for each other. 
And so I love you and I appreciate you. And I want you to be part of a group of people that also feel the same way. Go check out the Edgy Empire of Awesomeness on Facebook. And you know what? I'll see you on the next episode.